How many of you brought your Bible tonight? Will you hold up the Bible all over the building? And I want to ask you to join me in the book of Genesis tonight, chapter 21, or page number 31 in the Old Schofield Bible or the book of Genesis, very, very first book of the Bible. So uh, I want to read some verses here. I'll ask you to leave your Bibles open and uh, follow me along as we look at this text together tonight. Uh, thank you again for being here tonight. Thank you for bearing with us uh, through the, you know, the decisions that's been made over the past couple of Sundays. And I guess by by now you know to be sure to check the website in case there's ever inclement weather. That's the quickest way that we can get the information to you about, you know, plans or changes in services. But I hope, I look forward to, I, I, I looked ahead on my weather thing and saw that next Sunday it's not supposed to snow next Sunday. And uh, that's when it'll come a blizzard next Sunday. But uh, in the meantime, I'm looking forward to getting back to our early service, the later service, and getting things, the buses running again. Hadn't been able to run our bus in a couple of weeks. Really had to make a call about that last night. We had pizzas ordered to serve on the buses today, and you can't call them at 9 o'clock Sunday morning and say, hey, we don't want the pizzas because they done already got a two or three hundred of them cooked for us. And uh, so uh, we had to call those things off last night, and so to do so, just made a decision. Maybe it was best, and I think it was a good decision. Or it may not have been a good decision. I don't know. But anyway, and then to cancel the early service this morning. And I think we did write about all that today. And uh, so uh, hopefully all that's behind us now and uh, better days ahead for us. Praise the Lord. Let's read tonight Genesis chapter 21 and verse number 9. And I want to read down through verse number 14. And please leave your Bibles open and I'm going to try to tie all this together uh, tonight. Look at verse 9. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian which she had borne unto Abraham, mocking. Wherefore she said unto Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. And the thing was very grievous in Abraham's sight because of his son. And God said unto Abraham, Let it not be grievous in thy sight because of the lad and because of the bondwoman, and all that Sarah hath said unto thee, hearken unto her voice. For in Isaac shall thy seed be called. And also the son of the bondwoman will I make a, great na uh, make a nation, because he is thy seed. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and took bread, a bottle of water, gave it unto Hagar, putting it on her shoulder and the child, and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. So leave your Bibles open now, and let's try to see if we can... Make head or tails out of this text tonight. Let's pray. Father, please bless your word, and I pray you'd help us tonight with this. As we deal with this subject once again, I pray the Holy Spirit will use this, uh, this allegory, as Paul called it in the New Testament. God, may you use this to seal some truths in our hearts regarding living a fruitful life as a child of God. Bless your word, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've been with us over the past, I don't know, three or four Sunday evenings, then you may recall that right now we're currently in a series of sermons that I'm calling Fruitful Living. Now, if you'll notice the full part, it's not just the F-U-L, but the F-U-L-L, -L, which means the full part. And, and that's God's plan for our life. God wants our lives to be full of fruit. It is a series of sermons that we based upon what we're told about the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit that He longs to produce in our lives. You know, we have a list of that fruit over in uh, the book of uh, Galatians chapter number 5. And if you'll read that, there are nine different things... 
nine different types of fruit, the one fruit that the Holy Spirit wants to produce in our life. And I promise you, we're going to eventually get to that text. But it seems like right now, at least for the last three or four Sunday nights, I've kind of been mired up a little bit in just talking about this warfare, this battle, this strife, that is going on on the inside of every one of us. And I'm talking about the battle, the strife, the conflict, the war between our flesh and the spirit. Now, I don't want to beat a dead horse to death tonight, but let me just remind you that when we were born into this world, we were born with something wrong with us. Can I have an amen? We were born with a problem. I mean, we're told in the Bible that when God created mankind, that he did so and he created us, in his own image. That means that God made us with certain characteristics that God himself possesses. Well, if that be true, if God made me kind of like him, now I'm not a God and we'll never be God. We can be the sons of God if we get born again. But, uh, you know, I'll never beat God. But the truth of the matter is if God made me like him, why in the world is it so easy for me to do wrong? Why in the world is there such a battle going on on the inside of us? How many of y'all feel that battle? Maybe you feel it tonight. Maybe you felt it uh, this afternoon. Uh, maybe your flesh said, won't you stay home? The roads are going to be bad. And the Spirit of God said, are you kidding? The sun was 52 today. The roads are clear. The flesh said, no, it might freeze back tonight. The Spirit of God said, get up off your lazy backside and get over there to the house of God. How many of you felt that war going on on the inside of you tonight? And we all have to face that battle each and every day of our life. So why is it so hard to do what is right? Well, the truth of the matter is the answer to that question is not hard to find because when our great-grandma and grandpa sinned and rebelled against God in the Garden of Eden, not only did they plunge themselves into a life of sin, but they drugged the rest of us along with them. That's the reason we read over in Romans chapter 5 and verse 19, for as uh, by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. Adam sinned, but when he sinned, he not only, he not only drug himself into the depths of depravity and sin, but he drugged the whole of humanity. We, when we were born in this world, we were born with a sinful nature, a leaning, a bend, a tendency to do that which is wrong. We all know early on in life that there are certain evidences that, that, we, that we see crop up in our lives as, as just children. And we see those evidences uh, crop up in our life that tells us something is wrong with us. You ever notice your little children? You don't have to teach them to lie. You have to teach them to tell the truth. You don't have to teach them to, uh, to share. You have to teach them to be not selfish. You don't have to teach them to, uh, to uh, be grateful. Uh, you have to, uh, uh, to be ungrateful. You have to teach them to be grateful, to say thank you. Those are evidences that even in our little children, guess where they got their sinful nature from? You're looking at him. I'm looking at you. They inherited, they inherited that sinful nature, that tendency to do wrong from us. And what starts out so small in our life, selfishness, little lie, uh, so ungratefulness. What starts out so small as we grow older, it becomes more evident 
And the, and the things that go wrong in our life become larger and larger until they completely take over and lead us down the road to self-destruction. And many of you were there in your life before you got saved. Those tendencies, those leanings, that bend toward evil was taking you down the road to self-destruction. But aren't you so glad there came a good day in your life when you got born again? And when you got saved, God, through the person of the Holy Spirit, came to dwell within us. We become, so says the Bible, a partaker of God's divine nature. In other words, when we get saved, hallelujah, God moves into our life. The only problem about that is this. When God moved in, the flesh didn't move out. It just moved over. And the truth of the matter is, from here on out, Till the day either that we die or to the day that Jesus comes, there's going to be a war going on, a battle, a conflict on the inside of every one of us. You face it every day of your life. I face it every day of my life. But I'm telling you, there's a battle. There's a war. Many of us that have been saved for years, that battle, that war has been going on since the day we became born into God's family. It is a battle. You have to battle to do right. It's easy to do wrong. What is it they say about water? It follows the path of least resistance. But ladies and gentlemen, if you're going to do right, man, it's a tough path to follow. It's a tough path to walk, to do right, but it's the right thing to do, to do what is is right. Well, the Holy Spirit who lives on the inside of us longs to produce the kind of fruit in their life, our life that glorifies and honors God. But now hear me, if that's going to happen, if you and I are going to live the kind of life to glorify and honor God and have the fruit of the Holy Spirit hanging off the limbs of our life, we're going to have to allow to we're going to have to learn to allow the spiritual nature to dominate and to rule and to control the fleshly nature. And look at me. It's easier said than done. You know, in the Bible, there are three types of people we're told that are in the world. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, the Bible talks about the natural man. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15, he talks about the spiritual man. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 1, he talks about the carnal man. And everybody in this room tonight falls into one of those three categories. You're either a natural person, you're a spiritual person, or you're a carnal person. You say, preacher, what's the difference? Well, a natural person is somebody where the Spirit of God is absent in their life. A natural person is an unsaved person. And anybody that's unsaved does not have the Spirit of God dwelling or abiding in their life. Can I have an amen? A natural person is an unsaved person. Well, my prayer is that if you're here in this service tonight and you're a natural person, you're an unsaved person, I've got some good news for you. You don't have to walk out these doors like that. You can come down these aisles. You can bow and receive Jesus as your Savior. And right here tonight on this very spot, in this very moment, God can come to dwell in your heart and life. A natural man, spiritual life is absent. There's a spiritual man. That's where spiritual life is abounding. Can I tell you what a spiritual person is? It's not a sinless person. It's not a faultless person. A spiritual person is somebody who's made up their mind. They're going to let the Holy Spirit dominate their fleshly nature. 
Spiritual life, the Spirit of God, is abounding. You ever seen a, a, a cup of, uh, maybe a cup of coffee or whatever? I don't drink the stuff personally. But you ever see, uh, if you pour a cup of coffee and it, and it starts running over? I'll tell you something, that cup is full. Oh, B.R. Lakin used to say, when Mr. Cup gets full, Mr. Saucer's going to get some of it. Well, let me tell you something. A, a person that is spiritual is a person who has learned to allow the Holy Spirit to dominate, to control, to rule over their flesh. But then there's a carnal person. You know what a carnal person is? By the way, there's no such thing as a carnal Christian. There is no, that's almost like saying, man, thank God for a heavenly devil. There ain't no such thing as a heavenly devil. There's no such thing as a carnal Christian. Christian means to be Christ-like. You can't be a carnal Christian. And a carnal person is somebody who the spiritual, though he has spiritual life, that spiritual life is abnormal because the flesh is still dominating the spirit on the inside of them. They're a carnal person. And ladies and gentlemen, what I'm trying to do tonight is say this. Man, let's allow the spirit of God to dominate, to control our flesh. Now, believe it or not, what I've just read to you in this text tonight is all about that. Believe it or not. I mean, really what we have here in this story tonight is just the story of a birth of a baby into a family where another child has already been born. And the end result of that is a terrible case of sibling rivalry in the home. Did y'all ever have that when y'all was growing up? The sibling rivalry. I mean, where one was going to outdo the other. Or if they couldn't outdo it, they'd just whoop the other one. I mean, did y'all have that problem? Of course, if you only had one child, you didn't have that problem. But we had three children. We had that problem. I can remember times going home and Seth and Holly had been into it so bad. I mean, they had bloody noses and eyes. Man, they'd fuss and just fight with one another. And, man, there was a bad case of sibling rivalry in the home. Well, that's what we've got here in our text tonight. We got a bad case of sibling rivalry. Wait a minute, come here. There's more here than just meets the eye. Because Paul almost used an entire chapter in our New Testament to talk about what's going on right here in our text tonight, it's Galatians chapter 4. Here's what he said about it. Watch this. For it is written that Abraham had two sons. That's what we just read about. He had Ishmael. He had Isaac. Abraham had two sons. The one by a bondmaid, the other by a free woman. Now, the bondmaid lady is Hagar. The free woman is Sarah. Two boys have been born. Let's go on. It says this. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh. That's the fleshly nature. But he that is of the free woman was by promise, the spiritual nature. Then he goes on and said this, which things are an allegory. You know what he's saying? There's more here than just meets the eye. There is a deeper truth, a deeper meaning. Now, I know, I get it. We got a case here of law versus grace. I get all that, but we also could make a case tonight for the flesh and the battle that exists in this text tonight between the battle of your spirit, the spiritual nature, the spiritual you, the Holy Spirit, who lives on the inside of us versus the low-down, stinking, rotten, corrupt flesh that's on the inside of us. So I want to show you how this all works tonight. Let's get on the path to fruitful living. First of all, I want you to look at our text tonight. Let's talk a little bit about the sons, the sons of this family. Now, we know that Abraham had two boys. Now, he's going he's to go on to have more boys. His wife, Sarah, is going to die at the age of 130, 127 years old. Abraham, at that time, is 137 years old. He's going to get married again, and guess what? He's going to have six more boys. 
and not die till he's 175 years old. Kind of reminds me of the old boy that was such an optimist. At the age of 85, he married a 35-year-old woman, bought a five-bedroom house next to an elementary school. Whatever. That's Abraham. I mean, man, this guy, he's the Energizer Bunny. He just keeps going and going and going and going. So he's going to have a lot more boys, but up to this point in his life, he's only got two boys. Now, in our text tonight, he's 100 years old, and he's got two boys. One of those boys is named Ishmael. The other one of those boys is named Isaac. Let's look at them two boys for just a moment. Ishmael. Can I tell you, Ishmael is the flesh child. He represents the old man. Now, we all know the events leading up to the birth of Ishmael. God had promised Abraham and Sarah, his wife, that they were going to have a son back when Abraham was 75 and Sarah was 65. The only problem with that promise was God did not give them a day, a month, and a year that that promise was going to be fulfilled. In fact, that promise would not be fulfilled for another 25 years in their life. 75 years old, Abraham, guess what? Boy, you're going to have a child. 75 years old, you and your wife, Miss Sarah, y'all going to have a boy? And I'm going to bless that boy, and that boy is going to become a great, a great nation. He just didn't tell him it's going to take 25 years for that to happen. In the meantime, Abraham and Sarah have got ahead of the will of God. Abraham, on a previous occasion, when he backslid on God and left the land of Canaan and went down into Egypt, while they were down there, they picked up a little servant girl by the name of Hagar. And all these years later, there's still no child with Abraham and Sarah, and Sarah goes to Abraham, and probably the conversation goes something like this. You know, honey... We've tried, tried, and tried to have a child. It just ain't working. I don't know what's happened. I know what God said, but it's not happened, at least not yet. I, I don't know what else to do, but I found out something today. In this culture, in this society that we're living in, I have found out a, a law in this land is, you know, you can go into your handmaid if you want to, and you can conceive and have a child by her, and that child will literally become my child by right. Honey, I've been thinking about this. Pray about it, Abraham. Why don't you pray about going in and having a child with Hagar? We know the story. That is exactly what happened. Abraham turned aside, went into Hagar, and guess what? Ishmael, Ishmael was born. He is purely a product of the flesh. Man's attempt. Man's doing. In fact, we're told plainly in Galatians chapter 4 and verse number 23, we're told plainly that the one that was born of the bond woman was born after the flesh. Guess what? Ishmael in our text represents the old you. How many of y'all still got the old you? Can I have an amen? We all still got the old nature. By the way, Man, have we paid for them jumping out of the will of God. Can I tell you something? If you were to go back to Genesis 16, where all that happened, you could write out beside Genesis 23, write this down, September 11, 2001. You know the reason that we have, a, a, the, one of the reasons that we're so hated by the Arab nations, by the Muslims? You know the reason that happened? I'll tell you why. It's, uh, the United States backs Israel. Ishmael hated Isaac. Isaac couldn't get along with Ishmael. And to this very day, because Abraham jumped ahead of the will of God, got out of the will of God, we're paying for that to this very day. 
Ishmael is the old man representing the old nature. He's the flesh child, but then there's Isaac. Look again in our text. He had a boy by the name of Isaac. We read, the, read about his birth in the first eight verses of this chapter, and we're told that in these verses that Abraham was 100 years old. He is an old man. We're told twice that he was in his old age. Sarah is 90 years old. It's a miracle. God stepped in. God intervened. And in that same Galatians text, we're told that Ishmael is the type of the flesh. And then we're told that Isaac is a type of the spirit. He was the child of Abraham's faith, not his flesh. Maybe I can say it like this. When it comes to Isaac, he is a picture, watch this now, of the new birth. You say, how do you get that? He is a new creation, a new creature that comes into this family. Does not the Bible say that when we were born again, that we became a new creature, a new creation in Christ? Old things passed away, and behold, all things become new. When Isaac came into the family, a new creature, a new creation had been born in the family. Aren't you glad you got born again? And let me tell you something. The birth of Isaac in this family was nothing short of a miracle. A 90-year-old woman, for crying out loud, a 100-year-old man having a child. How could that happen? A divine, supernatural miracle. And can I tell you something? When you and I got saved by the grace of God, it was nothing short than a divine, supernatural miracle that brought us into the family of God. You say, boy, God ain't doing miracles like he used to do. Are you kidding me? Look around this room right now. How many of y'all are saved? Say amen. Every one of you that's saved tonight is a miracle of God Almighty and his grace. We got these two sons, the old man, Ishmael, the new man, Isaac. Now watch this. Not only are there the sons of the family, but now we come to our text. Notice the strife in the family. Now look, i got to tell you something, man. Everything's going fine up until the time Isaac was born into the family. Ishmael was getting along great. I mean, he was the sole object of Abraham's affection. I mean, man, he, he, was, he had pretty much the run of things in that household up until the time Isaac got born. And things began to change. When Isaac was injected into this, into this family setting, a conflict arose. Now, we're told in this text that these boys are greatly separated by age. We're told that. Now, let's do some math here. If Abraham in chapter 21 is 86 years old, all right, when, when Ishmael was born, if he's 86 years old, and now he's 100 years old when Isaac was born, then that tells us Ishmael's got to be at least 14 years old. Right? Y'all with me? Follow me now. And then we're told in this text, in, in verse number 8, that, that Isaac was weaned. Now, we know that in the Jewish culture, they usually didn't wean those babies until they're around the age of three years old. So I think what we've got now, to show you the age variation between Ishmael and Isaac, we got a boy, Ishmael, that's 17 years old, or in the ballpark, and we got a boy running around the camp that's about three years old. And i got to tell you something, man, there was a conflict between the, the person that had been there the longest and the brand-new person that had just moved in. We read in verse number 9, if you'll notice in this text, verse 9, that Ishmael started mocking Isaac. You know what he's doing? He's aggravating that boy. I mean, buddy, he's harassing him. He's tormented. He's tormenting that boy. Ishmael, the old man, is, is picking a fight. He's aggravating. He's picking on 
the new man, the new babe, the newborn person, Isaac. By the way, this is not just a one-time event. I'm told there when it says in verse 9 that he was mocking, that the phrase of the verse actually means that he kept on mocking. I mean, as sure as the sun came up, guess what? Ishmael was giving Isaac a hard, a hard time. Now, the reason for that is not hard to find. You know why? I'll tell you why. Those two boys were as different as daylight and dark. I mean, they had different desires. They were devoted to different things, and their personalities, they clashed. I mean, we all know the kind of person Isaac was. He was very meek. He was very mild. He was an obedient child. I mean, we read that over the next chapter at the age of 33 when that boy marched up Mount Moriah with his daddy up on top of that mountain. He voluntarily, I mean, he could have overthrown Abraham, and Abraham being as old as he was, this little old boy, 33 years of age, could have whooped the fire out of his daddy when he started started wrapping him up with the cords and laid him on the altar and got the dagger and started plunging in his chest. I mean, for crying out loud, Isaac could have whooped his daddy and, and said, we ain't doing this, daddy. But he submitted to the will. That's the kind of boy that boy was. He was mild. He was obedient. He was, uh, he, 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 he lived, he lived like he was uh, supposed to live. But Ishmael, huh, that guy was crazy. Can I show you what we're told about Ishmael? King James, Genesis 16, says this about him. He is a wild man. And can I tell you something? That's what Ishmael was. He is a wild man. Now come up close. When you got saved, you become a new creature in Christ. There's a part of you that wants to be that meek, obedient, willing child of God. But wait a minute. There's a wild man living in you. Can I have an Amen. There's a man that don't want to live by the rules. There's a man that don't want to live by what God says in the Bible. There's a person on the inside of you that's just, let's just be honest about it, he's wild or she's wild or whoever. They're wild. And they live on the inside of you and they're wild. And they're not going to go by a bunch of rules. They want to make their own rules. They want to play by their own set of standards. They want to do what they want to do. But thank God also in your life, there's one in there that wants to do what God wants to do. And can I just tell you something? We got a fight going on. A fight, a battle that is going on on the inside of all of us. Now, we're told, look at Genesis 21, verse 9. We're told that Ishmael was mocking. I mean, you say, preacher, really? I mean, that's not so bad. Mocking? I mean, what's so bad about that? Let me tell you what Paul said about it. Here's the word that Paul used to describe it, Galatians chapter 4. But as, as, as then he that was born after the flesh, what's the next word? Oh, we're told in Genesis he just mocked him. Paul, writing under the same inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said, no, he, uh, he was mocking. But more, uh, probably a good word for it, he is persecuting that boy. I mean, man, he was harassing. He was tormenting that boy. And then he said this in that same verse. Look at that last phrase. Even so it is. Say it with me. To this very day, Ishmael, the wild, the wild me, and Isaac, the mild, meek, wanting to submit to the will of God, me, they're into it. Them boys still can't get along. You know why? I feel them on the inside of me. And by the way, you got a wild you. You got a wild you that still wants to bless God, go up to Cherokee and gamble up there. 
You still got a wild you that wants to lay out and drink beer and smoke weed and go to the filthy hell holes of this world. You got a wild you. But thank God for the thank God for the new you. Thank God for the Isaac that wants to say, whatever the will of God is, whatever my father, that's what I want to do. And you and I on a daily basis, even so is it now to this very day, you and I have got to make up our mind which one we're going to follow, which one we're going to let dominate in our life. Man, we got a strife going on on the inside of us. So we got sons, the sons of this family. We got a strife in this family. But now here's where I want you to see. I want you to know this is the separation for this family. So when we come to our text tonight in Genesis 21, we got a battle going on. Finally, Sarah says, if you'll look there at verse 10, she said, enough is enough. I'm not going to have this, this, this son of this bondwoman. I'm not going about to let him mock my boy Isaac. Abraham, we're not going to let him do that to our boy. I mean, Abraham, she's got to go. Abraham, he has got to go. I mean, man, it just couldn't continue to happen. Something had to be done once and for all in this family. So, Abraham, so Sarah said, get rid of them, Abraham. Now, before we get too hard on Sarah here, say, oh, my goodness, what a hard-hearted, calloused woman she was. God agreed with her. I mean, look at our text. She said, cast out this bondwoman. Verse 12 said, God said unto Abraham, let it not be grievous in thy sight because of the lad, because of the bondwoman, and all that Sarah hath said unto thee, hearken unto her voice. For, for in Isaac shall thy... You know what God said? She's right. He's got... She got to go. She's right, Abraham. That boy can't live here with your... Uh, that, 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 that old, old you, that, that flesh, the child of flesh can't live with the child of faith. Something's got to be done. Sarah said, get rid of them. Abraham said, she's hard-hearted. God said, no, she's right. There's a choice that's got to be made. And if you looked at verse 11, this is kind of where we at. But in verse number 11, the thing was very grievous in Abraham's sight because of his son. It hurt Abraham. That word grievous means to shake. And can I tell you something? I think this hurt him so bad that he wept till he literally shook. Can I tell you something? There are some things the flesh has brought in our life we've got to part with. And it is not an easy parting. I'm telling you, there's some things the flesh has brought in our life. Let me say this. There's some things we've allowed the flesh to bring in our life. And when we try to start distancing ourselves from those things, when we start trying to remove those things, Bible word. When we start trying to cast them things out, it hurts. We grieve. We weep till we shake. I'm probably speaking to somebody right now in this room and God's been dealing with your heart about some kind of relationships in your life. And God says to you, dear ladies that are not married, you know he's not good for you. You know he's going to lead you down the wrong path. you got to get rid of him. He can't dwell. If you're going to serve me, you can't serve me and him. you got to make up your mind. He has got to go. Well, that's hard, ain't it? Get rid of him. Maybe there's a dear man in this room, and you're not married, but you're dating somebody. I never will forget old Brother Greg Lamb. Brother Greg Lamb come in our church, and he, he saw our church buses run up down Highway 52. And he said, man... And he, and he passed three or four of them, you know, running along together. And he said, I'm going to go try that church out. And he was dating this woman. 
And uh, he said to me, he said, uh, Preacher, Brother Don, I think he, I'm right about this, but he said, that, that low-down preacher cost me $5,000 first time I ever heard him preach. You say, what was he talking about? He said, while he sat here in this service, he said, when the preaching was going on that night, God began to tell him, that's not the one for you. You've got to get rid of her. He said, it cost me $5,000 for just one of your sermons. I said, why don't you give it to me? You know, there's some things we have to part with. There's some things the flesh brings into our life. We've got to cast out. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's some old sin in your life. You keep going back to it over and over and over again. I'm telling you, it's got to be dealt with. It's got to be dealt with. It has got to be put away lest the flesh gain an advantage in our life and rise up and destroy us. There's not a mother's child sitting in this room tonight, including the one you're listening to, that is strong enough that if I allow the flesh to dominate my spirit, that that flesh won't destroy my life. I'm not that strong. Hey, guess what? Neither are you tonight. None of us in this room are so strong, so spiritual tonight that, buddy, if we turn the flesh loose in our life, that it won't destroy us. David was the strongest man spiritually in the Bible, but guess what? I mean, his flesh got loose, and it wound up almost destroying David. Samson was the strongest man physically. God helped. Look at the, what the flesh did in his life. Blind, grinding in the prison house of Dagon, the, the building falling down on him. Solomon was the strongest man mentally in the Bible. But he married all them low-down women, 700 of them, 300 concubines, 1,000 women that he had in his life. He couldn't handle it. And it wound up destroying him. And if it destroyed them, it can destroy us. we got to cast some things out of our life. Ishmael has got to go. Say it with me. Ishmael. Can't let him live with Isaac. He's going to be constantly harassing him, or Bible word, he's going to be constantly mocking him, or let's go with Paul's word, he's going to be constantly persecuting him. He has got to go. Abraham said, this is hard, Lord. God said, she's right. Listen to your wife. You know, sometimes we're the men of the house. I get it. But you know, sometimes we listen to our wives and probably save us a little bit of heartache going down the road. Abraham, she's right. Get rid of him. So the Bible said this. I want to show you two things, and I'm done. First of all, Abraham handled this situation as hard as it was. Number one, he did it. And this is, this is my word, probably not even a word. But he did it, number one, firstly. Firstly. That's right. I don't know if it's spelled right or not, but I made it. It's in the Webster's Dictionary starting in the morning. Firstly. What do I mean by that? Well, look at verse number... 14, as hard as it was, verse 14 said he rose up early in the morning. You know what Abraham knew? To delay is to disobey. I mean, God spoke to him evidently in a dream or a vision or whatever that night. He laid down. He thought Sarah's fussing at him. She's got to go. He's got to go. Abraham laid down that night. God spoke to him and said, yep, she's right. He's got to go. He rose up early the next morning. I mean, man, I mean, buddy, before the words dried on the paper, he is doing the will of God, set about to do it, because the longer he let Hagar and Ishmael hang around, the harder it would be to get rid of them, 
They got to go. They got to go early in the morning. First thing I'm going to do when I rise up in the morning, I'm going to cast them out. The longer you let the flesh drag some old sin and corruption in your life, the longer you let that hang around. I mean, before you got saved, if you used to be bad to drink, if you got liquor in your house, God help you go home tonight. Get rid of that, pour it down the drain, flush it down the toilet. Don't even pour it on the yard. Don't do that to your grass. Flush it down the commode. Let it go to the septic tank where it belongs. Do it tonight. Do it tonight. In fact, just go ahead right now. Just go on home right now. You don't even wait to imitate. Just get out of here. If you used to be bad to do drugs, why in God's name are you going to let that stuff hang around you? I mean, early in the morning, first thing, he rose up and he did the will of God. Boy, I wish people was in a hurry to do the will of God in our day. Amen. In our day, we got, well, let me think about it. You know, just let me think about it a while. How long you need? Well, how, how about six years? First thing. Early in the morning, he dealt with it firstly. Then can I say this? He dealt with it firmly. The Bible said in verse 14, he gave them a piece of bread, he gave them some water, and he sent them on their way. Man, he dealt with it firmly. You say, boy, that's pretty bad, ain't it, preacher? A piece of water and a, and a, and a bottle of water, a, a, a bottle of water and a piece of bread. Man, Abraham's kind of heartless. No, I think Abraham disbelieved God. God said he's going to make a great nation out of them. He knew he'd take care of them, and he did. But I tell you what, he rose up early in the morning. First thing, it was light. Sun just coming up. He wasn't going to delay. He was going to do it. And, buddy, he dealt with it firmly. You and I cannot cannot let the flesh just hang around in our life. And I know, I know we ain't going to get rid of it right now, and I get it. But I'm just saying we can't let the flesh dominate our life. Man, we got to firmly deal with the flesh. Firmly deal with it. I mean, man, keep our noses in the Bible. Keep our bodies in the house of God. Keep our knees bent in prayer. Our eyes upon Jesus. Because I'm telling you, the devil's real. The flesh is real. The world's real. And we can't handle it. We got to deal with stuff firmly in our life. If you don't believe that, here's what Jesus said about it. If your eye offends you, Pluck it out. If your hand offends you, chop it off. If your foot offends you, crank a chainsaw. Cut it off. Now, he ain't teaching bodily mutilation, but I think what he is telling us is this. Man, we got to deal firmly with, with evil and sin in our life. We got to deal with it firmly unless that rise back up and destroy us. So watch this and I'm done. So he, he cast them out. And from the record of the Bible, and you, I, you follow me, you search it out yourself, but from what I could find reading through the rest of the life of Abraham, the next time Ishmael saw Abraham was on the day he died. Abraham never let him back in again. And he died before he and Ishmael ever got back together. By the way, he was dead then. Ishmael couldn't bother him. Can I tell you something? We got to deal with our flesh. If we're ever going to be fruitful, if we're going to bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our life, man, if we're going to have love, can I have an amen? 
If we're going to have joy, can I have an amen? If we're going to have peace, if we're going to have gentleness and meekness and kindness and temperance, if we're going to have all those things in our life, the old us has got to go. And we've got to allow the new man to dominate and rule over the old man. And that's easier said than it's done. So what do we got to do? Stay in the Bible. What do we got to do? Stay in church. What do we got to do? Keep on our knees in prayer. What do we got to do? Keep our eyes on Jesus. And if we don't, watch me. Can I use an old country word? We're goners for sure. We got to deal with it firstly and firmly. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this text tonight.